first song where it said, this could be the day. This could be the day the Lord comes again. And boy, it sure could. And wouldn't that be all right if he did? I'd be all right if he did. But you know, he may not come back tonight, but this could be the day that your life changed forever. This could be the day that you came to trust Christ as your Savior. Uh, I was thinking as they sang a moment ago that uh, the night that I got saved, the night that I surrendered to preach, and nights that I have made some of the biggest decisions in my life concerning the will of God for my life, I did not plan on making those decisions the night that I went to church. That wasn't the plan. But aren't you glad God has plans we don't? And who knows what God has planned for you tonight? Now, I know some of you moms and dads are thinking, yeah, I sure hope this preacher gets all over my kid. Amen. I hope he gets all over my kid too. But I hope God gets all over all of us tonight. And who knows what God has planned for us. So go ahead and sit back tonight. Get comfortable in your seat. Uh, open up your heart and let the Lord work and however he would desire to do that tonight. I've enjoyed getting to know Brother Odom uh, and his wife, and I appreciate them and their spirit. I uh, appreciate their ministry, what God's doing down there in Florida. It's just been a blessing to fellowship with them the last little while we've had to get to know them. And uh, I hear, boy, I tell you, you need to talk to him about the lizards at their church. You know, they have a lizard problem at their church. He, how many did you say will be in your church yard out there? 50 to 100 iguanas three, four, five feet long out there in the churchyard. I mean, half of you probably wouldn't be here tonight if you had to crawl over lizards to get to church. I got to thinking, they've got spiritual people down there that have to climb over lizards just to go to church. Uh, so you know they must be doing a good job down there for the Lord. But appreciate him. Looking forward to the message tonight. And uh, let's welcome him again to the pulpit tonight to preach. We wrestle alligators and boa constrictor. I'm, I'm kidding about that. She's like, really? Amazing. No, but we do have iguanas all over uh, South Florida near our church, and it's, uh, it's always an adventure. Um, one thing that happened early on in my pastorate there is we had, I was telling your preacher about this earlier today, I believe it was today, we had a, a church fellowship and we have a lot of South American families in our church, Central American, a lot of different Hispanic cultures. And so often they'll bring what are called empanadas. Now, how many of you know what an empanada is? And empanadas are delicious. You know, you can make them with beef or you can make them with chicken and so on. And we had a family bring iguana empanadas. If you've never had an iguana empanada, you just haven't lived. I don't know how many iguanas there are in Mississippi, but anyway, if you ever come down to South Florida, uh, visit us, and we'll get you some of those iguana empanadas, all right? But uh, haven't you enjoyed the music tonight? Boy, that was a blessing. I enjoyed singing with you together uh, songs like How Great Thou Art. <clears throat> don't you love worshiping our Lord, praising his name, lifting him up, for he is worthy of that. And I enjoyed the special music. Thank you, ladies, for singing for us. Boy, all those songs were such a blessing. But you know what I was really enjoying tonight? I just got blessed watching these two pianists play. And Brother Bo, early in the service, and then Sister Reagan playing there. I just was watching them play. I thought, man, I wish I could do that. I'm so jealous of people that can do that. But I tried to take piano lessons when I was little. My mom was a great, is a great pianist, but I just never stuck to it, you know. But I appreciated that. I wish we had two pianos up here. We had put Bo on one and Reagan on the other. We have dueling pianos going on. But wasn't that a blessing? And I, I praise the Lord for it. And uh, let me say just a word of thanks. Thanks to all that are here tonight. Thank you for making the effort to come out for a, 
a back-to-school revival on a Tuesday night. I know there's a lot of things that you could be doing on a Tuesday night, but you have made this a priority, and I know you've done that because you love the Lord, and you love your children, and you love your church, and the ministry of the Christian school. And I'm so thankful that you are here tonight. Let me say specifically, uh, I want to thank all the moms and dads that are here tonight that have a young person or maybe even more than one in, in the Christian school here. Thank you for believing in Christian education, understanding that, that children need an environment to learn in that is godly and Christ-like, and that's good. And, and if God's led you to be in the Christian school, I just want to thank you for doing that and believing in that. And then maybe there's some church, even church members here tonight. Maybe you don't have a child in the school or even a grandchild, but you're standing with your pastor and your church and the, and the ministry that God has given this church to have a Christian school. And I can speak, I can testify that our church has many families that don't have a, a child in our school, but they love our school. And they understand that God has given it to us to reach the community and to disciple and train children, and they stand with us in it. And you don't know what a blessing that is for a pastor, for a church, to be united in that vision and in that mission. And just talking to your pastor earlier today and his dear wife and my wife and I, we just we have kindred spirits in this, and I love the vision here. I thank God to just be a little part of this week and thank you, thank you for being here. I hope you came tonight expecting God to speak to your heart. And that goes for our students, of course, and our young people here, but especially for those of us who are adults. And I, I have uh, four children. Two of them are in, in Bible college now, and two of them are in our Christian school. And I thank God for Christian education. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I want to invite you to open up to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And while you find your place there, I was just wanted to say I enjoyed, I enjoyed spending time this morning with the students. We had a great time in uh, chapel this morning, and the, they listened so well, and it's a blessing to see young people hungry for the Word of God, open to the Word of God. We, we had a split session, and Carolyn, my wife Carolyn, is with the young ladies, I was with the young men, and just had a lot of great interaction. And I want to tell you, the Lord is working in this ministry, and I can see that just as a newcomer coming in uh, this week, but it's a good thing. It's a blessed thing, and I, I just love children's ministries. I love Christian schools. I, I heard about a Christian school that had a kind of an opening week, and they had this big fellowship, and they had invited, you know, the parents and the children to come, and they had this long kind of buffet line of uh, refreshments, you know, fruit, snacks, and goodies and stuff. And at the beginning of the line, there was all this food lying down, kind of a buffet line. At the beginning of the line was this big bowl of apples. And somebody had taken the time to make a really nice sign, uh, typed out, printed out, laminated. And the sign was put up by this, behind this big bowl of apples, and it said, Only take one. God is watching. And then down the line, there was all these different things, you know, chips and snacks and such. And then when they got to the end of the line, there was this big, big tray of chocolate chip cookies. And one of the children in the school had taken a crayon and a napkin and had written down and put it there. And it said, take all you want. God's watching the apples. Amen. <laughs> so you never know with children's ministry what's going to happen. Amen. You got to keep an eye on them. But... 2 Timothy chapter 3, and our text tonight from the Word of God begins in verse 15. If you'll follow along as I read aloud, the Bible says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I want to preach tonight on this thought. Three things our children must know. Three things our children must know. Would you pray with me and for me tonight as we go into the Word of God? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege to be able to gather together in this place on a Tuesday night and open thy Word, Lord. We love the Word of God, your Word. It is perfect, it is preserved, it is powerful, it is profitable for our lives. And so, Lord, tonight as we open your Word, we pray that you will open our heart. Help us to receive truth tonight. Help us to see it and understand it and obey it. And Lord God, I pray that you'll speak to every heart as only you can. Search our hearts. Know, you know, Lord, what decision needs to be made in this room in each heart. And so guide us in that. Lord, I pray you'll save anyone lost that may be without Christ as their Savior. Even tonight would be their night of salvation. And then touch and move and stir and change hearts. Uh, those of us who are saved, Lord, help us to be obedient. Bless this effort. Bless this meeting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible writer of our text, the human penman, is, the, of course, the Apostle Paul. He's inspired of the Holy Spirit. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is even in our text. So we know that God wrote this, but his human penman was a man named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a great Christian. I thank God for his example. And in the context of what we're talking about this week, it's interesting, you know, Paul was a great student. Uh, history tells us that Paul had uh, learned at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the great teachers and great philosophers of his day. And so Paul had, had been a great student growing up. He had soaked up a lot of information growing up. Of course, before he knew Jesus, he was very religious, very well educated, and then God had changed his life. And saved him on the road to Damascus. And then the Apostle Paul became a great teacher. One thing I love about Paul is that he understood the importance of passing truth on to the next generation. He understood that what had been given to him needed to be passed down to others. And then those would pass it down to faithful men who would then teach others also. We read about that back in chapter 2 and verse number 2. So the Apostle Paul was a great teacher. He started off as a great student, became a great teacher. And he had many great students. One of his greatest students was a young man named Timothy. This book of the Bible is named after that student, young Timothy. Timothy was, of course, a pastor. He served the Lord in many capacities, but he became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And this pastoral epistle is written to this young preacher named Timothy. And no doubt, the Apostle Paul had had a great impact and a great influence upon a younger man named Timothy. He had met Timothy there in, Philipp in Acts chapter 16 as uh, he was on his journeys and he had met him there. And the Bible says that Timothy was a young man and was well reported of and those from Lyst Lystra and Derby and so on. And the Apostle Paul poured his life into Timothy. And when I think of that, I think of the ministry of a Christian school, a church ministry like this that is seeking to take God's word and God's truth and, and, and pass it on 
to the next generation, to pass it on to the Timothys. Oh, how we need some Timothys to rise up in this generation and be taught the word of God and the truth of God so that they can proclaim it themselves and pass it on to the next generation. But I came here tonight to tell you this, that Paul was not the first one to teach Timothy the truth of God's word. Did you notice in our text in verse number 15, it says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. You see, the apostle Paul did not meet Timothy until he was a young man. But the Bible says that when Paul met Timothy, he already knew. He had already been taught the holy scriptures. Even from a child, he had been taught the holy scriptures. And when Paul met him there in Acts 16, it already said that he was well reported of the brethren. He was a strong Christian. He was walking in the faith. If you turn back to chapter number one of 2 Timothy, we find a little more insight on this, on his childhood training and rearing. And it says in, in 2 Timothy 1, in verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So here we're finding and learning that uh, Timothy was, yes, he was impacted, he was influenced by a, a Christian leader named the Apostle Paul, but before that ever happened, he was taught the Word of God, he was trained in the Word of God, he was led to Christ, he was impacted by a godly mother and a godly grandmother. Somebody say amen right there. I came tonight to remind you, moms, dads, grandparents, God Almighty did not call this church and this Christian school to train your children first and foremost. He called you to do that. That responsibility of training the children falls first upon the Christian home, upon mom, upon dad. Uh, and Timothy did not have a, a godly father. We, we read about that in Acts 16. It says his father was a Greek, and the, the language of that uh, seems to show that he was not a believer at all. But thank God his mother was a believer, uh, uh, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. And they trained this young man. And I want to encourage every mom, every dad, every grandparent here tonight, realize God Almighty has ordained you to train your children for Christ. The Apostle Paul came alongside a godly home and reinforced what the godly home was already putting in the life of, of Timothy as a child. And that's exactly what the church is called to do and the Christian school as a ministry of the church is called to do. Oh, listen, the church needs to be the church. The Christian school needs to be the Christian school. But where is the Christian home today? Listen, I'm preaching to myself. I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm a pastor, but I, I'm also a parent. And I know the, the temptation to think, well, we'll just send the kids to Sunday school and send the kids to Christian school. And the, the Sunday school teacher and the Christian school teacher, they'll teach them. No, wait a minute. I thank God for my, my children and Sunday school teachers. I love them, and it blesses my heart that they help me teach my children. I thank God for my children's teachers. We were just on the way to church tonight. I have one in kindergarten. Please pray for me, but please pray for his teacher, amen? <laughs> and little Nathan, he's in kindergarten, and uh, Carolyn was talking to me about the day-to-day, -day, and he got, a, what did he get, an orange something? An orange slip or an orange, they have a little coding system. His kindergarten teacher, she's tough, by the way. Pray for my son, <laughs> Miss Lexi, <laughs> Miss Ruark. She's a great teacher. She loves the Lord, but she's, 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 she's a drill sergeant, amen? I like that. But uh, he got a little orange slip. I said, what does the orange slip mean? <laughs> 
You see, that means he was talking too much today. I said, oh, that's my Nathan. That's my Nathan. Uh, but you know what? I thank God for Miss Ruart. I thank God for her. She's a blessing. God has called her to come alongside Carolyn and me and help train my little boy. But you know what? Miss Ruart, first and foremost, is not going to stand before God and answer for my children. I am. It is my responsibility to train my children and teach them the word of God. And I thank God that God has called the church and a Christian school of ministry of the church to come alongside. And This is the philosophy biblically uh, that, that the church was never called to replace the home. Moms and dads, Christian moms and dads, and even grandparents in the light of this context must rise to that calling. Dads, rise tonight to train your children in the Lord and the word. Mothers, rise tonight to the calling to train your children in the word. Oh, three things our children must know. No doubt this Christian school and this church will be teaching the children these things, but these three things must start at home. And that's the emphasis I want to make tonight, in your home and in my home. Somebody once talked about the three R's of learning. You remember, those, remember that? The three R's of learning, reading, writing, and arithmetic. It was a great day of my life, and I realized two of those three don't even start with R, right? <laughs> reading, writing, and arithmetic. But uh, I'm going to give you three W's tonight, three W's, all right, that every, every child must know. It must be taught from their moms and their dads, and of course, from a church and a Christian school. We find them in our text. Would you look along with me tonight, write some notes down? Number one, the first thing that our children must know, number one, is the way of salvation. The way of salvation. Verse 15 again says in our text in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. This is biblical salvation. This is the way. And I want to remind you tonight, there are not many ways to heaven. There's one way. I was talking to a man one time and uh, we, were talking, we were talking about salvation in heaven. I was witnessing to him a little bit. And, and uh, he says, well, you know, he goes, he goes, I think there's many ways. I don't think we should judge people that have different ways. And, and he says, you know, there's many ways to get to Fort Lauderdale. There's many roads. You can go up here to 595. You can take Sterling Road and take Griffin Road over here. And uh, he says, there's many ways to get to Fort Lauderdale, but they all end up in the same place. And I said, well, here's the problem. Fort Lauderdale is in heaven. <laughs> and there's not many ways to heaven, dear friend. There's one way. There's one way. You young people, listen to me tonight. Every, every parent, listen to me tonight. On the authority of God's word, there is one way to heaven. And that way is not something, it is someone. And that, that someone is Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, and he saith unto him, I am the way, the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is one way to heaven. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is, we are all lost sinners without Christ. There is no hope. There is no help outside of Jesus. There is no way to heaven without Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And our boys and our girls and our young people need to know they must come to Jesus to be saved. I encourage young people today. Being a student at a Christian school does not mean you're a Christian. Being, a, being a, a member of a Christian family does not mean you're a Christian. Being a part of a great church like this that's full of Christians does not mean you're a Christian. 
The only way you are going to heaven when you die and truly a Bible Christian is to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Do you have a personal and a powerful relationship with Jesus? And I've been encouraging the young people to examine their salvation experience. And I even gave them some homework this morning. They probably came home and complained about it. But we gave them homework. They got two days to write down their salvation testimony. And they're going to share, share those with us here by, by Thursday morning. But we want our young people to know the way of salvation. Somebody once said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But no, our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. And our young people need to know his name is Jesus. And he is willing and he is able to save us from our sins. I tell you tonight, that goes for us adults as well. Do you know Jesus tonight? Are you saved? Are you saved the Bible way? Do you know that? Maybe, just maybe, the preacher hit on it earlier. Maybe, just maybe, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night that God is going to save your soul. God had this service for you. Perhaps this is a divine appointment that on Tuesday night of back to school revival is the night you're going to be born again. You could have walked into this building on your way to a devil's hell. But if you'll come to Jesus and trust him as your Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive your sins, you can walk out of this building on your way to a glorious heaven. Amen. So our children need to know the way of salvation. I would encourage this school, this church, keep your focus on that. You pray for us that in Florida we'll keep our focus on it. Everything we do needs to be a great commission work. Everything. Look, if we're going to play ball, it needs to be gospel-centered, gospel-focused. Everything we do in the church, it needs to be, look, we want to see souls saved. We want to see people trained in the word to be baptized and discipled. And everything's about coming back to that great commission. So number one, the way of salvation. The second thing, our children must know the words of Scripture. The words of Scripture. The way of salvation, yes, then the words of Scripture, look again at verse 15. And that from a child, thou hast known the what? The Holy Scriptures, which are able. Would you mark that word able right there? Oh, that word speaks of power. It speaks of ability. How many of you believe that God's word changes lives? I believe that. You know why? You know how I know that? Because God's word has changed my life. And by the way, it's still changing my life. I haven't arrived. I hope you don't think you've arrived. We got a long way to go till we arrive. I need this book every day, and you need this book every day. The Word of God is able. It is profitable. It is powerful. And we pour it into the lives of our children. And I thank God for the Christian school teachers that will uh, teach the Word of God to, to children in Bible classes and chapels and different things. And I thank God for churches that do that. But, oh, we need moms and dads to sit down with their sons and their daughters once again at home and have a family altar and have a time where the Bible is open in your home and taught to your children and you come to God in prayer. Oh, we need that tonight. Our children must know the words of Scripture. Commit yourselves to the word of God. Encourage your children to follow in the word of God. I remember growing up, and I thank God I was blessed of God to be born into a Christian home. And my dad was a pastor, and my mom was a church pianist. So I like to say I was a part of the music ministry before I was born. Amen? And I was sitting on the piano with her. And, um, 
But I thank God for the heritage that God gave to me. I told the students this morning, I said, one thing you don't choose is you don't choose your parents. God chooses that for you. And every family's different and every set of parents is different. But God gives us what we need, doesn't he? And if you have, young people, if you have a godly mom and dad, you gotta thank God for that. And I had that, I praise the Lord for it. But my, my dad and my mom, they taught me to love the word of God. They taught me to read it and obey it and memorize it and hide it in my heart. And I remember those little Bibles I got when I was a little guy. And I, I, I still have those in my bookshelf at home. And I remember that, that hardback red Bible I had when I was just little. And then another one I had for Christian school. And I, I go back sometimes and look at some of those little notes I wrote in those things, you know. And I think, wow, my parents, my parents made sure that they put the word of God into my heart. I thank God for teachers and preachers that did that, Christian school teachers and camp preachers. I remember being at camp one time as a young man, a teenager, and I, uh, I don't even remember the preacher's name. I don't remember a lot about the week or the sermons, but I remember the sermon he preached. He preached a three-point outline about the Bible. He said, he said, love the Bible, learn the Bible, live the Bible. And I wrote that down in my Bible as a teenager, and it changed my life. Young people ought to write that down tonight. Love the Bible, learn the Bible, live the Bible. If you'll do that, it'll, it'll change your life. It'll never go wrong. The Word of God changes lives. The Word of God is powerful. It has power to teach us, uh, to make us wise in a salvation. As we saw here, it changed Timothy's life and the fact that it saved him and it guided him. When Paul met him, he was well reported of the brethren. That means he had a good testimony. It's the word of God that's going to guide your life, young people. Learn what the Bible says. Listen, there's a lot of voices in this world. Oh, the culture is getting louder and louder, isn't it? Oh, social media and all these things and all, all the wickedness of Egypt, so to speak, in this world is getting louder and louder and louder. But I would encourage our young people tonight, crowd out all that noise and listen to the voice of God. Listen to the word of God. It will change your life. It will make you wise in a salvation. I love the, the power of God's word. I remember reading a story about a missionary in Zimbabwe, in Africa. And he was out, he was out on the streets and the sidewalks passing out uh, Bibles and New Testaments. And one day he was out there and a, and a man came by and, and he offered him a Bible. And the man said, I don't want that. He said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. There's no God. And the missionary was trying to convince him, you know, to take it and witness to him. He said, I'm not going to take it. He goes, well, you can have one. And the man said, look, I don't want it. I'll make you do it. If you give me that Bible, you know what I'm going to do with it? He said, I'm going to tear the pages out of it and roll them up and make cigarettes out of them. I'm just going to smoke every page in that. And the missionary had a thought. He says, okay, so I'll make you a deal. If you promise to read every page before you smoke it, I'll, I'll do that. I'll give you the Bible. The man said, all right, I'm a man of my word. I'll do that. So he took the Bible. And they went there with separate ways. Years went by. That same missionary was at a, a Bible conference with many other preachers and missionaries. And a man walked up to him and he said, hey. He said, hey, missionary, brother missionary. You remember me? And the missionary looked at him. He said, no, I don't remember you. He says, you remember years ago, you were passing out Bibles on the sidewalk and he, he named the village of the city. And he, and he said, I told you that I was an atheist and that I was, gonna, I was gonna smoke all the pages. He said, oh yeah, I remember that, I remember that. He says, well, he said, uh, let me tell you what happened. He said, I wasn't saved, I was an atheist, but I was a man of my word. He said, I had that moral. And he goes, so I took that, I took that, that New Testament from you 
And he said, I, he said I, I did what I said. He said, I read the first page in Matthew. And he said, I tore it out and I smoked it. <laughs> he said, I read all the way through Matthew. I smoked my way all the way through Matthew. Reading the page and smoking it. Reading the page and smoking it. He said, I smoked all the way through Mark. I smoked all the way through Luke. He said, and I started working my way through John. And he said, I would read the page and I would smoke it. I would read the page and I smoke it. He said, I got to John chapter 3, verse 16. And he said, when I read John 3, 16, I fell on my knees and I asked Jesus to save me. And he says, now I'm a preacher. I'm a missionary. Isn't that amazing? The power of the word of God. Now don't go home and smoke your Bible. Please don't do that, okay? But <laughs> read it. Read it, all right? Memorize it. Hide it in your heart. Oh, listen, our children, they need to know the way of salvation, but they need to know the words of Scripture. Teach them the Bible. Teach them to read it. Teach them to walk in it. Teach them to love it. The third W tonight that our children need. The third thing they must know. They must know the way of salvation, yes. Number two, they must know the words of Scripture. Number three, they must know the will of the Savior. The will of God. The will of God. Don't you want to see your children follow the will of God for their life? I speak tonight as a father. I have one. My oldest is a senior in college. My second is a, is a freshman in college. My third is a freshman in high school. My fourth is in kindergarten. We'll explain that later. But I stand tonight, not just as a preacher, but as a father. Can I share with you with my heart? I know many of you parents identify with this. I want my children to do the will of God with their life. I want them to know God. I don't want them to do my will. I don't want them to just please me or please Carolyn or please some other Christian leader. I want them to please Jesus. I want them to know the will of God and do it. You know why I want that? Because I know there's such joy and fulfillment in the, word, in the will of God. The Bible goes on in our text. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrines are beliefs and teachings. For reproof, reproof is where it shows us where we're wrong. Don't you... Don't you notice it when you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts stepping on your toes and you're reading your devotions or your Bible or there's Bible preaching, you're like, oh, ouch, ouch. The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes because you know you've not been in obedience to what the Word is saying. That's reproof. That's good. We need that. And by the way, when you come under Holy Ghost conviction in a, in a Bible preaching sermon or in devotion, thank God for that. That's God reproving your life, showing you where things are wrong. You'd be made right. And then the next word, the next thing here, for correction. Now that is what is right. So reproof shows what's wrong, correction shows what's right. And by the way, the greatest example we have as parents is the Heavenly Father, amen? So look, when your child is wrong, reprove them. Say, look, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. You handled this wrong, but don't stop there. Move on to correction. This is how you should have said it. This is how you should have done it. And train them, okay, this was the wrong way. Let's learn from our mistakes. And now this is the right way. And then the last thing, for instruction in righteousness, that means how to keep it right. So you say, that was wrong what you did. You should have done it this way. Now, how are we gonna make that right next time? Let's practice. Sometimes at home, we'll do that with our kids. We'll, we'll, we'll practice it out, you know. Instruction in righteousness. Look at verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect. This word speaks of 
Christ-likeness, maturity, more like Christ. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What is this? This is the will of God. This is becoming the Christian that God wants us to be. This is becoming the man of God or the young lady of God that God would have our young people to be. The will of God, this is what we desire for our children. Look, if if our children are gonna learn and know the will of God, they're gonna have to hear about it from us. We need to teach them what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. But wait a minute, wait a minute. It can't be do as I say, not as I do. How many of you know that doesn't work? Us parents, I'm going to preach to us parents for a minute. I'm going to preach to myself for a minute. We must set the example. God help us. I said to our young, the young people this morning, you know, I said, I don't know all your parents, but I know that I can tell you one thing about your parents are not perfect. <laughs> and I said, you know, I tell you something about my children. Their parents aren't perfect. <laughs> We're not perfect. But God help us to have a genuine faith, a real faith, an example set. I want to show you something about a verse we read earlier. Timothy had a mother and a grandmother in the faith, right? They're, they're, his mother and grandmother, they were faithful. Look, look what the Bible says again. Turn back a page there uh, to chapter 1 again. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Notice again in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the, notice this word, unfeigned faith. Have you ever noticed that word in your Bible? That's an adjective. It's a descriptive word. It's describing the faith that Timothy had in his life. It goes on to say that that unfeigned faith was first in his grandmother, Lois. And then it was passed to his mother, Eunice. And then it ended up in Timothy's life, a third generation. And, and, and it's describing faith with the word unfeigned faith. You know what the word unfeigned means? It means genuine. Genuine. Oh, there's a lot of fake faith out there. Hypocritical faith, artificial faith, uh, something put on on the outward, but really it's not that way on the inward. And God deliver us from this faith that acts one way at the church house and another way at our house. God forgive us for that. God help us with that. Timothy, God bless him, he had a mother and a grandmother who lived it at the church house, but they lived it at their own house. They were real, they were genuine, they were unfeigned in their faith, and that's what our children need tonight in us. They need something that's real, genuine, unfeigned. If we want our children to follow the will of God, let's set the example and let's us do the will of God. Let us speak the way we ought to speak and act the way we ought to act and watch things that are appropriate and proper and allow the right things into our hearts and minds and our, our families. Oh, God, help us tonight. To the parents tonight, I, I say to you, be, be faithful, be unfeigned in your faith. Ephesians uh, 6, 4 tells the fathers there and the leadership structure, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That means with words and it also means with our actions. And then to you young people tonight, I say to you, Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have the rule over you and have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. If you have a godly mom, a godly dad, maybe a godly grandparent like Timothy had, uh, you've got a godly uh, Christian school teacher or pastor, and there are people that are handing you the baton of the word of God and the way of God and the will of God. Take that baton and run with it for the glory of God. May God help us tonight. In 1903, there was a pastor in West Wales over in the United Kingdom. 
named Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts had a pastor's heart. I understand how he felt. I have a pastor's heart. I'm a pastor. And he was burdened for the young people in his church. He was, he was particularly grieved about the world. I was reading about his testimony the other day. He was grieved over the growing worldliness and evident lack of devotion to Jesus in his youth department. I thought, if you could only see us now. That was 1903. What would he think of what we see today in our culture and society? But he was grieved by it. His burden grew. He began to pray. He began to call his parents to pray for their children, for the young people of the church. They began to plan special meetings like you're having this week. Special two-day, he, he did two-day youth meetings over the new year. Uh, he brought in preachers and he preached and others. And, and, and their goal was to get a hold of the hearts of the young people and challenge them to follow the word of God and the will of God. And, and these meetings had a deep impression upon one young lady in particular. And her name was Flory Evans. She was like your age, these young people down here, like one of these young people. And boy, God just began to work in her heart. Nobody really, she was kind of a quiet girl. Nobody really knew it. She was just sitting there and God was speaking. God was working. And boy, she was getting a hold of it. I'm praying the night. I'm praying, I'm praying we have a Flory Evans in here somewhere that's just getting a hold of it. Maybe one of these young men, maybe one of these young ladies thinking, you know what? If God's looking for someone in my generation to serve him, it'll be, I'll, I'll be that one. Flory Evans. She was challenged. Her heart was, she had been saved, but she had been holding back some things from God and God began to speak to her and she realized that she, she needed to let go of the world and make sure the world let go of her. And, and uh, she, she realized that she had not given all to God and she went to the pastor and she talked to her parents and she said, you know what, I, I know Jesus is my savior, but I, I don't know if I can say he's truly my Lord. He, he's not the Lord over everything in my life. And the pastor challenged her uh, to get to a place where everything is given to God. Nothing is held back from God. Flory, give all to Jesus Christ, surrender all to him. And so she began to pray that way and seek the Lord, and she did. She, she began to give things to God from her life that weren't right and began to just sell out to the Lord and uh, give it all to God. And one night in February, they had a special meeting after church on a Sunday night. The church youth group gathered together, and the leader got up, and they were sitting there, and they had a little testimony meeting. And the pastor said, why don't we just take a few minutes, tell us, what does Jesus mean to you? And she stood up in that meeting after having surrendered all to God. And she simply said this. She said, she was a quiet young lady. It was hard for her to stand up in a meeting and speak like that. But she stood up and she said, I love my Lord Jesus with all of my heart. Now, she had said that before and not really meant it. But she was able to say it that night, having given Everything to God, completely surrendered to God. And when she said that, her sincerity was unmistakable. The expression of her love, uh, uh, Brother, brother uh, uh, Roberts wrote later, uh, touched the hearts across the room. Conviction of the Holy Spirit began to spread through that little meeting with those teenagers and the hearers uh, began to also testify that they loved the Lord. And that little ember of flame in that little meeting began to spread. And, 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 and word of that got to other churches and they started having these little meetings with their young people on Sunday nights, little cottage meetings after church. And they begin to testify and they begin to win souls and the fires of revival begin to spread and the mighty Welsh revival broke out 
one of the greatest revivals in church history. And we believe, and most, most uh, historians, Christian historians, trace that great revival back to a little meeting on a sunny night to a young teenage girl who gave all to Jesus. And God used her to start a little fire, a little ember that spread. And look what great thing it did. You know what I'm praying tonight and this week? God will just start a little spark. Maybe one of these young people's hearts. Maybe in a mom's heart, a dad's heart. And we would say, Lord, I surrender all to you. I'll serve you. I'll go for you. And would, would to God we'd see the fires of revival spread through our homes, through our church, my church back home, into this world. Oh, how we need God to work. Three things our children must know. The way of salvation, the words of Scripture, and the way of the Savior, the will of the Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight I thank you for your precious word. God, I thank you for working in hearts. I thank you for speaking by your spirit. And Lord, I don't see every heart tonight, but you do. And we ask you that in these moments of decision and invitation, you would move in a very real way. Lord, guide this time. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here tonight in this meeting and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, there is nothing, nothing, nothing in this world more important than that. Be saved tonight. Jesus died on the cross for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You can be saved tonight. Young man, young lady, mom, dad, grandparent, Man, woman, whoever you are, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I, I invite you, come right now. Let us pray with you, show you from the Bible how you can be saved. Don't leave this meeting without Jesus. Come tonight. If you are saved, how many, let me start with the dads and moms tonight. How many moms and dads would say, Pastor Odom, pray for me. Pray for me that I will have an unfeigned faith as a dad, as a mom maybe even grandparents, that I would show my children the way of salvation, the words of Scripture, the will of the Savior. Pray for me. God has spoken to me. Raise your hands. Moms, dads, grandparents, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want to invite moms and dads, as God has led you, would you come? Come now to this altar. Do business with God. Come pray for your son, your daughter, your family. Come tonight. Pray for them. How about some grandmothers, grandfathers? Come. Pray for your homes, for your families. Let me talk to the young people tonight. How many of you young people say, Pastor Odo, I want to be a Timothy. I want to be a Timothy tonight. I want to receive what God has given to me through my parents and my teachers and my pastor. I want to be a Flory Evans. I want to give all to God tonight. Nothing held back. I, I want to make him Lord of all. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, you young men? You young, why don't you come? Why don't you come tonight? Come on, young men. Come on, young ladies. Find a place in this altar. Maybe find mom and dad. Go to mom or dad if they're here and pray with them. Get together as a family. Let's have a little family altar tonight. Do business with God. Moms, dads, pray with your children. Come tonight, find a place of prayer. What needs to be given to the Lord tonight? Flory Evans, a good Christian girl, but she had some things she needed to get settled in her life. Settle that tonight. Ask God to stir something in your own heart. 
that will spread through your youth department, through your school, through your church, through your family, even in this community, that God could do a mighty work. Do business with God tonight. Pray until you've prayed through. God bless you, preacher.